0: Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh
2: called, My Old Man.
4: My old Whelan
5: has uh, floated in on the volley. Oh, Jack Grealish on his return to the Aston Villa side has scored a scored of volley from fully 19 or 20 yards. The home fans were singing his name moments ago. They'll be building a statue to him after this.
4: Welcome to the Jack Grealish podcast show. I'm David Michael, the editor of jackgrealish.com. Joining me, my fellow Jack Grealish fans... Dan Rogers from the Jack Grealish dot com, and also hello. Chris Bird from the Upper Jack Grealish Stand. Welcome, hello. We are back after a three-month winter break for the Jack Grealish podcast. Uh, we've been out, hanging out in Dubai, using the gym
3: there.
5: Just
4: couldn't, couldn't find any exercise bikes in Birmingham, so we decided to go to uh, Dubai of warm weather training exactly
3: but we were back in time for greelish day
4: i've never seen uh, a player's return hype so much hype so desperately <laughs> 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 with those little ticket links please buy a ticket
3: jack's back be part of the park jack's back
5: and please renew your season ticket because jack might be here <laughs> be part of the Jack and even when he scored wasn't it the goal scorer for Aston Villa he's back and his name's Jack mm. shut <laughs> up shut up
3: why has my dad got the tannoy <laughs>
5: dad put the <laughs> mic down it's not karaoke
4: <laughs> uh, sorry this is the My Old Man Said podcast uh, we were obviously just uh, swept up in the greelish hurricane of this week uh, that the club has perpetuated but to give him his due Grealish or should I say as he's now known Captain Grealish Captain Jack Jack, to give him his proper name completely lived up to the hype to be fair I'm just trying to think of the last time uh, I felt uh, glad to have a day out at the football because uh, the last few weeks there's you know, you're just surrounded by toxicity. toxicity. And it was just people were starting to think about, well, I don't really want to renew my season ticket.
5: I don't want to be part of the park. I don't park. want to be
4: part of the park if I'm surrounded by a bunch of cunts, abusing <laughs> players. You know, sometimes we record this podcast very late, as we are doing now, as it's we are approaching the midnight hour. And when we finish, we start waffling because we're delirious from the lack of sleep. <laughs> and uh, Lack of good football. Normally. Lack of good football as well. And just realizing that potentially we've ruined on monday because uh, <laughs> yes. we're gonna feel like shits and we start talking about i think it was a few weeks ago we were trying to describe ways to describe those people and everybody knows who we're talking about there's always somebody who sits either behind you or to the left to the right or in front of you that's just persistently like a hobby horse will have one player that he always slags off
3: Every block has one, I'm sure. Every block has and one. Every
4: every season ticket holder has someone who they've been stuck next to for years. Yeah. And so we, we were we were coming up with <laughs> names for these people. We're gonna we were gonna use them as hashtags. Uh, <laughs> it will catch on. <laughs> I promise <laughs> for you it will catch on now. we had the twat at the, the back twat at the back. We had the cunt,
3: <laughs> the cunt in, in the front cunt in front. And I'm particularly proud of the anti Semite on the right. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are, and maybe even the boar next door. We just need some
4: Somebody on the left. I wish I had a prize because uh, that would be uh, a good question. Would be what would you call somebody on the left of you that was a bit of a prick? Please f- feel free to use those hashtags: twat at the back, cunt in front, <laughs> and anti semite <laughs> on the right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was it was pure pleasure. There was a posse of Norwegians uh, that were going, and I got an email from one who was offering up uh, his tickets for free to anybody who couldn't afford them. Good gesture. So I swapped because it was Upper Ellis. I've never been in there ever, or Witten Lane, as we like to properly call
3: it. Yeah, I don't refer to it as
4: the... Yeah, so Whitten Lane Upper. So first time, I think it's the last section of a stand <laughs> I've never been in. So uh, the invitation was too much. And so I also invited, I put it out on Facebook and invited uh, a chappie called Matthew and his young son, who uh, I think they were season ticket holders up until about three years ago. And then just, I don't know if it was like, I don't want to spend any more money on this. <laughs> or uh, But so they were back at the park, part of the park and we had a good time we had a we had a great time all good vibes people were laughing around us laughing at some of the things that we were saying laughing at uh, matthew's expression when Grealish's goal went in while he was mid Balti pie <laughs> oh
3: what i tell you what is there a finer place a to look.
4: be and i i wish i took a picture because it was just jaw-dropping <laughs> Balti pie hanging out of it <laughs> Curry sauce everywhere. really good
3: branding. For, that would be <laughs> superb marketing, wouldn't it, for that Balti oh, pie? Oh, yeah,
4: no, they they want to get on it. Who is it now that do the bolty <laughs> pies? I don't want to you know. I've won before the game, to be honest, and uh, got a bit of it on my... Sh- on my uh, Tracksuit top. I must admit, <laughs> I, I'm, it's
3: no Digbeth Dining Club, is it? It's no,
4: no Digbeth Dining Club, and I think that was the f- the last time I had a Balti pie. I had one bite and I dropped it. So, uh, uh, so I think I'm on. staying off them. But anyway, sorry, we 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 back di- to the Jack Grealish We digress, show. but yes, uh, let's uh, let's start the podcast. We'll talk about uh, Jack Grealish's uh, wunderbar goal and uh, all things else connected to Jack Grealish, as we pertained at the top of the show. It really was all about Jack Grealish. Not that we're a one man show. I thought Whelan and uh Mr Horahan uh, were top dollar but we'll mm. get into that. Uh, also mm. on the show three points where quite a eclectic assortment of points from uh, running football teams on your mobile phone to uh offers of refunds if you lose and virtuous Spanish football authorities uh, which uh I think it's the fans fighting yeah. back. Who knows what's going to happen? There'll be the Scott Hogan touch count meter. Also, a uh, quick mention of the plans for uh, Villa Away fans at the Blues. Uh, the tampon wars are over as well.
3: They are, the, but the mothership is. But you we're, we're
4: but they're stretching over to the whole of Birmingham. More of that. Uh, well, quickly, we <laughs> won't dwell on that. Obviously, then we'll talk about how we destroyed Frank Lampard's Derby County, as they're called now. It's like when when yes. you name rename a stadium, like the Reebok Stadium or whatever, or the or the trillion the, the trillion trophy, trophy stadium. Now Derby <laughs> <now Darby laughs> County are Frank Lampard's. Derby County.
3: Jack Grealish's Aston Villa,
4: by the way. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Jack Grealish's Aston Villa.
3: <laughs> he just captained the club, boyhood club. <laughs>
4: Jack Grealish's Aston Villa Four. Frank Lampard's Derby nil. Also, we'll finish on uh, <laughs> people still mention, start to talk about as soon as Villa win a game, and this is the first, you know, we've won like three and 15, they suddenly start talking about the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> so. We'll just put the playoffs into context quickly at the end of the show. Also, we have a couple of uh, patron questions. Well, there's more actually. We'll uh, we'll see how many we have time to uh, filter through, and if there's any outstanding, we'll do them uh, separately in a patron-only podcast. Right. Oh, first of all, sorry. Just some quick business. Uh, we ran a competition. You may remember. Uh, I think it was episode 63 to win two tickets in hospitality for the Middlesbrough game, and the winner was Mark Wood and always when we do competitions uh, there's always some problem either the competition winner <laughs> never gets back to me and I have to give their prize to my mother or or somebody <laughs> or uh, <laughs> but this time uh, Mark uh, is actually uh, I think he's on service with the RAF in uh, Mali
3: wasn't that isn't that confidential information you've just given out isn't that like oh, a secret mission <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's Black Ops, Dave.
3: That's that's. This is our post-Brexit exit strategy. Yeah, we're, we're quietly <laughs> invading Marley.
4: Shit, I shouldn't have. I, sh- yeah, I shouldn't have yeah, just given we'll the game the away there. But anyway, he unfortunately, he had his service <laughs> extended uh, since he entered the competition, but he's now passed it on the prize to his brother Richard. So hopefully, Richard will enjoy that. I sh- you know, we should have just passed it on to you and Chris, really, uh, Dan.
3: But uh...
5: I'm quite content where I am. Thanks. <laughs> oh, he's a purist.
3: <laughs> See, i I'm sure Mark just made it up. He was just looking at the last three months form. I thought, oh, fuck it. I'll pretend I'm in the RAF. (laughs) Richard, Richard. I get get better food in the RAF. (laughs) I mean, you don't want a villa dog. That's freshly picked. (laughs) He's freshly picked that sausage out the
4: ground. I mean, I never uh, (laughs) normally buy food there. So... You know, buy a drink, and I don't really look at the, the food board. I just know what's going to be there. You know, burgers, fries, whatever, whatever. So it was only in this podcast, like two years ago, when you started talking about the Villa Dog, <laughs> you actually looked it up, didn't you? Now, every time I look up, I see the Villa Dog, and I I, I can't stop but laugh. <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> anyway, we're 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 digressing
3: uh, yet again. Yeah, the Villa Dog—it's just a wonderful name. <laughs> they, they grow like asparagus in Aston. You you you, you just have to. Have... <laughs> sharp thumbnail and you can just nip it right
4: off. In Lady Holt's Gardens around the back of uh, <laughs> Aston Hall. Listen,
3: less of Lady Holt's <laughs> Gardens on this podcast. is a family show.
4: Speaking of uh, Patreon podcast bonus shows, that uh, we, we put one out uh, a couple of days ago. There'll be uh, a couple of others this week. I just want to shout out quickly to Liam Kerrins, Matt G, and also Jack Shipton. I missed him out in the last show for uh, joining us, my old man said patrons. Also Jerome McCarthy for upping their pledge. Uh, please do support the show by becoming a Myoman oh patron uh, go to said.com and click on the patron option there also obviously uh, if you're listening on Spotify iTunes uh, follow subscribe and also join the uh, Facebook group the mad few to be in closer contact with the show right first of the three points I'll try to keep this condensed cuz you could do a whole show on this uh, well you could do a whole show on probably all of these points this concept I actually got an email from own AFC Asking if I wanted to interview the guy who came up with this idea, although I think it's been used uh, elsewhere in France uh, and elsewhere, so I don't think it's his idea, but he's actually developed the app in the UK, and that is to run a football club from a mobile phone app. Already, I think there's about two and a half thousand people signed up, and they're looking for an English non-league team. who Didn't needs- we have
3: a, an owner who did that? He did it via Twitter, though. He ran a football <laughs> yeah. club via Twitter. That was the boardroom on it. Didn't he have some accounts out this week? We'll wasn't, get to it later. Wasn't he a doctor?
4: Yeah. No, uh, well, that was he's debatable. Not a doctor of accounts, and he? he wasn't. Yeah, but that's
3: any... like me. I, 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 I put my initials. My initials are doctor. It doesn't mean I'm actually a doctor. Yeah, well, he it? wasn't
4: an accountant. That's for sure.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: All right. More, yeah. More of the, uh, the. Well, we'll touch on the, uh, the finances uh, in a second. So, mm-hmm. own AFC is a new app, and I think you pay like I, I don't know if it's gone up because it. There's articles that say 49 pounds, but when you go on the app it says 99 pounds. So the idea is you get all these people together, they buy sh- oh, shares in the club mm-hmm. and then they pretty much make all the decisions like making new signings, hiring firing staff, ne- negotiating contracts via an app where you can say yes or no to various uh, scenarios. So essentially it's like football manager or, or you know all these armchair Twitter, people who think they're managers, uh, actually get a chance to uh, hire and fire staff and sign people.
3: Could you imagine the anti-Semite from the right, the cunt in front and the twat at the back seriously running Aston Villa football club? Could you imagine? Well,
5: of course you couldn't, because there's no Wi-Fi in the ground. (laughs) (laughs)
3: We'd never make a sub. (laughs) We haven't even
4: picked the team yet. (laughs) That's a very, very, very good point. So the idea is the manager would uh, in game would s- propose scenarios. You know, shall I put a sub on blah blah? And everybody goes. You know, votes yes or no. This is a scheme that's actually. I might. I'm thinking I might do this interview and get him on the show. That could be. Yeah. Uh, could be quite funny. You have some great fun with him. But there is a you know a situation where you get people buying into a non league club, and you know non league clubs are, some of them have been around you know hundred years, hundred and forty years, and then suddenly. Uh, You know, it's a bit like uh, novelty. Mm. Aren't aren't, uh, Portsmouth currently on the
5: march? And they're sort of part fan-owned or were, weren't they?
4: I think they're looking a bit lower than that. uh, But you get in a position where, uh, you know, these clubs are obviously grassroots level people that you know work for them and, and really care for them and you know it's somebody said in the comments section of one of the things it's not like to be treated like a dog that somebody has had for christmas and then you know <laughs> kind of gets rid of you have to really uh be invested in the team i think it ebbels fleet uh we're taken mm. over by a website my football club uh, i think it's 2008 but then again you know that was like good 10 years ago and i think like mobile apps now have advanced To such Mm. an extent that, you know, almost everybody's got a bloody iPhone, Samsung, or whatever. And uh, it's on another level now. But it's actually been uh, happening in in France. Uh, There's a club in the sixth division, I think, of the French League called Avant-Garde Céanise.
3: It's a good name
4: yeah that. I, I don't believe oh, the that avant-garde bit they won promotion allegedly and uh the manager's been there for about seven years and he basically sums it up as saying um uh, he's you know the bit he likes about the job is you know the day-to-day interaction with the players which you don't actually lose obviously using this way and he said most of the time his uh his views are essentially backed up by what fans uh think as well so there's there's kind of been a synergy but uh i don't know can you uh can you see this taken over honestly no the only problem is other clubs have kicked up a fuss because they have to obviously film all these games, and they actually have uh, let's let's say the filming levels and uh, the the infrastructure around it is is a bit more advanced than AVTV, and we're talking about <laughs> sixth division French league here because they've got up to stats running through it, they've got uh, proper proper you know TV angles and everything because people can watch the actual games in app as well, so you can obviously be at home or around the world wherever watching this Would game you, and making the that, decisions.
3: Just to tie it into Villa and also the, the last game, and uh, interesting, how many Villa fans were watching Rams TV as opposed to AV TV? The... I think
4: yeah. that's because I hyped it up so much last time. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> how was your commission for Rams TV, David? Yeah, I, sh- I, I should
4: get. I should have had one
3: actually because I did a good job before. It was a good promo, yeah, yeah. But quality-wise, uh, is, is the point I'm making?
4: Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I think I might, I might have got Tony Daly a job as well, and Darius Vassell a few few hundred so quid quiet, in the bank. Though yeah, we keep getting messages saying, can you get Tony Daly to turn up his mic? It's but yes, wheat. sorry, the the reason I mentioned the filming is uh, all the opposition uh, owners have been complaining about claiming, you know, image rights and wanting mm. financial com- compensation. So the kind of greed is uh, kind of uh, mm, set in. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. And they're, they're trying to uh, sort that one out. But at non-league level, you, you can see it actually as a way of, because it, it does... Kind of mirror the the kind of German fifty one percent the fan ownership model. It kind of mirrors the, that German model. So uh, there are definitely legs there. I, I think mm, it's not, you right. know, just a bit of refining and you know the way. If you're looking at non-league clubs and the treasury of, you know, trying to get grassroots supports and money, this this is a way that if you think outside the box, then it's it could be a potential goer. And it's, you know, it's certainly going to attract money and uh, media and you get that situation where it could be b- bigger because, you know, at the moment. Premier League clubs, championship clubs are competing against entertainment per se. And, you know, some kids would prefer to stay at home and play their Xbox than get trudged down to Villa Park. So if this is a way of actually getting really invested in a, in a team. And-
3: but you know what I really like? I really like a confident team. I like a team that comes out and says, Joe, if we're going to lose, we're going to give you your money back.
4: And this is That's point like. number two.
3: This is the Russian Premier League side, FC Ufa. They were so confident. They were going to win the home game against uh, Dinamo Moscow on Sunday. Who are better than them, I think. They're higher in the league, aren't they? Yeah, they were a few places above. Anyway, this is such a good model. I mean, th- this model probably wouldn't have worked for Ashton Villa <laughs> in recent seasons. And- we'd be
5: millionaires. We'd have been...
3: Um, uh, can, can you be more bankrupt than bankrupt? But we'd have been that because they basically said you can have a refund if we lose and... Unfortunately for them, in the 94th minute against Dynamo, Moscow, they conceded a goal to lose 2-1. Bad luck. Super.
4: But not only did they offer a free refund, but they said, as a, as a bonus, we'll give you free tickets to the next home game as well. Uh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a sellout. What business model is that, uh... I mean, I, I can see Villa adopting the first one, the uh, the app run thing, because uh, if this lot who were who were owning the club at the moment failed, mm-hmm. then you know, I mean, that's it. We men have two of the richest guys. Well, combined, one of the what, what are we like third or fourth richest club based on their wealth. In Britain, Mm. in the English League and in the whole of Britain. And uh, if they're not going to sort Villa out, then we might as well put all our (laughs) hopes in a mobile app.
3: Yes, we might as well do a mobile (laughs) app. We might as
4: well. We might as well try it because we've tried everything else. (laughs) Right,
5: point number three. Well, in an era when, uh, you know, you can watch football every day of the week, it's nice to see that La Liga has decided to scrap Monday night football after a huge amount of fan revoke. And obviously, I think the tendencies have been dropping at games in Spain. The FA president, Luis Rubiales, I think yeah. his name is, said business is important, but fans more so, which is a, a very refreshing attitude. So as of as of next season, La Liga, there will only be football on Saturdays and Sundays. What a, what a touch for the sports.
4: You will never, ever see this in the Premier League. No I no, Pretty much guarantee that the Premier League. There's more chance of them trying to reconstruct the calendar so there's an actual eighth day in the week just so they can show more football on it.
3: it yeah, it's, <laughs> pre, the Premier League is a is an absolute money machine, is out. And I and I love my La Liga as well. That it's my it's my go-to alternative after the championship. You know the excitement of Rotherham and Ipswich. They've done something else that's quite interesting as well. They 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 tried to move all their English coverage to an app, and yeah. that has well, they moved all all to eleven sports, which is through an app. And
4: oh and, yeah, no, yeah, I was, I was watching the I uh, classic K one
3: that. that, yeah. And it's interesting that they're they're trying to do new things, and they've sort of half abandoned that because you can now pick up. A La Liga game from uh, last weekend through to the end of the season on ITV4, which I think is pretty cool because wasn't,
5: there was talk of them trying to get a game in America, wasn't there? There's well. some
3: discussion around that, I think.
5: regular season games abroad. Yeah,
3: I do think it's a great thing with the Monday night football because it, it it's the right decision for me. I think it's very different to British football is that you know outside of those top top clubs, you don't get massive attendances even in even in the top flight yeah. in Spain. Yeah, so you know they have to protect that, and I think that's a great move. But also yeah. as well, they're not. They're not. How gonna put it? That they're not trying to big up games that aren't big fixtures. Which I think the Premier League's been quite coy at that well, way. You Sky. know, sometimes you tune into a game. Sorry, yeah, Sky rather have been quite coy at, at billing games where you know as as derbies when they're not derbies and there's not really a, a well. They, they I mean, there.
4: they also they they have the labelling for Sunday. What do they call the Sunday Super game? Super Sunday, Super Sunday, and they created the, what's the Monday one? It's Monday Night Football. That was Ford, Ford
5: Ford Monday Night Football, it? and Gillette Super Sunday,
4: as well as getting. The, the label of the derby you've got like the Super Sunday and it's mm. all this you know it's all hyperbole at the end of the day yeah, and then yeah. Super Sunday's you know West Ham versus Fulham or something.
3: Yes exactly that's that's the point isn't it? And You can't
4: really hype any of those games up.
3: Well no you can't it's what it is and, and, and I mean last Sunday I think I watched uh Real Madrid versus Levante and the, I have to say the only reason I really watched it was that Juan Antonio Luna was uh, <laughs> playing. <laughs> he looked rather good. What a good. guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they always do. They, they always do, don't they? But but my point is that you can get free to wear Spanish football on yeah. domestic British TV. Now you can't get free to wear English football anywhere that I can, you know, outside yeah. of the cup competitions. And I think that's there's something wrong there.
4: Yeah. Next up, and this won't take long, the Scott Hogan touch count meter unfortunately he hasn't played uh, since we last switched on the meter uh just some quick news i've seen the plans for getting aston villa fa- it's like a world war ii airlift from dunkirk or something <laughs> getting aston villa away fans out of st andrews uh for, airlift the, up- from for the upcoming uh, derby there's uh in- there will be no holdback this time uh, finally they've the police and also uh, various f- fan reps have Convinced Birmingham, the club uh, who have resisted uh, leaving out the more, the northern exit. I can't remember the name of the a- exit, but basically to get people on uh, emeline Street, which at the, the north of uh, stadium. If you, if you're looking at it uh, on a let's say Google Maps, and to avoid uh, the roundabout and the junction at uh, Cov Road, where uh, people tend to loiter, and there's potential. Uh, flare-ups uh, last time. There was going to be a holdback of 20-30 minutes and uh, people were just, Blues fans were just loitering around and it was building up and building up and Villa fans were there still at 90 minutes, which, uh, you know, Civil Liberties etc is just unacceptable So they've got a road where all the coaches will be and hopefully it's uh, it's going to be a winner. Of course people will complain that they can't go this way and they can't go that way, but the idea is is you will get out and you will get to the city centre and you won't have to wait at 90 minutes in a sty.
3: <laughs>
4: so let's see how that goes. Uh, fingers crossed, it will be uh, three points and a, and a swift exit out as well. In other news, this is a strange one. Uh, at, at the Villa game, uh, it's coming up to half time. I think Grealish had just uh, lashed home. And then I uh, got a picture from uh, Joe Villa fan, who's also on the fan consultation group, of the ladies' toilets with uh, trays giving away free sanitary products which is something I uh, pitched to the club in August and I, there's a movement called on the ball which is basically uh, getting football clubs to highlight period poverty where one in 10 girls can't afford uh, period products but it's also uh, a big statement on inclusivity for women at football clubs it's for example uh, if you have a period emergency and you know sometimes periods last longer than you expect or they just flare up when you're not expecting them and if you're caught short if you've forgotten it then it's you know you got to improvise and you know the, the villa program or a villa dog really doesn't <laughs> cut it <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> especially the especially the villa dog i wouldn't i wouldn't want to eat a villa dog never mind uh mm. <laughs> anyway yeah, it's, it's not ketchup <laughs> um moving on moving on so uh I just thought it would be a no, non-brainer when I mentioned because uh, you know a lot of clubs have signed up from your Celtics to your Liverpool.
5: It's just doing the right thing, isn't
4: it? Manchester City have just recently signed up the Baggies. the uh, Wolves already do it, but and the Blues just...
3: have gone have gone one better. They've got a full tampon-shaped airship ahead of the. It's like <laughs> the Hindenburg.
4: Yeah, actually, uh, as far as I'm concerned, this was still in the air. So this week I was going to pick up the <laughs> pick up the pace again. And uh, I was going to write a big article about it. And also uh, at the latest f- fan consultation group meeting, I was I was going to call the bluff and say this. I've got a big blimp uh, Zeppelin balloon that's going to fly <laughs> over Villa Park in the shape of a tampon. <laughs> Just justice for on the ball campaign, and I think they've got Villa and now the seventy second team to sign up for it. Anyway, um, we're number seventy. There were seventy odd clubs before us. There suppose. was over seventy clubs oh before us. God. So anyway, I get this picture, and Villa are offering free sanitary <laughs> pro- products in the uh, the ladies. Which uh, I was just thinking, this is a great day, uh, Villa Park. Uh, this has happened, <laughs> so it saved me a lot of hassle. Something I thought was a non brainer. Then I found myself like arguing with people in the uh, fan consultation. Group and uh, Villa Park staff at the meetings, and you know, I was hearing things like, Well, we asked some women in the office, and they didn't see the point of it. And they said, Well, if uh, women can afford uh, tickets to games, then uh, they should be able to afford tampons. And you thought, Oh, so that's your Greek chorus, is it? You speak to a few women in the office, and that's as far as it gets. This is a no brainer. This is inclusivity it's essentially being an example when football clubs especially the size of villa are kind of a, a bastion in the local community and it's a set example for other venues other businesses in birmingham and uh you know from the reaction the reaction has been fantastic and mm. you know a community venture which you know costs almost nothing as i said it,
5: it's just ultimately just do the yeah, right no, thing. Yeah, no, exactly.
4: And it's something like people, you know, people fight against it. It's like, why are you fighting against it? Just let it be. It's no big fucking deal.
3: It's kind of like saying, oh, well, he can afford a ticket to go to the match. He doesn't need toilet roll. Yeah, you know, no, exactly. I own mean, toilet roll. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what? Sometimes
4: we haven't evolved as a race and... Uh, oh, it's have a moral compass. Fight. Just because it hasn't happened before doesn't mean it's uh, it shouldn't happen. And, and I think there's
3: something about Villa Park as well, and and Villa and the the Villa bubble where you, you you know we're lucky enough to get about the world and get apart different grounds and yeah different different settings and, and you you step back into Villa Park having been there and you go ah we we need to modernise and actually get with it a little bit here.
4: I mean now now the buzzword in uh, these fan consultation group meetings and like the staff would use it now I use it and it's fit for purpose and uh, yeah. so much of that ground is not fit for purpose. I mean, I went to Ajax uh, a few weeks ago. My, mm. my, one of my family lives out in Amsterdam. Mm. And I know uh, one of the heads of the supporter group out there, Who they've got like on, over 100,000 uh, members, and he sorted me out some tickets. And Jesus Christ, being in the upper Doug Ellis concourse.
3: <laughs> the narrowest <laughs> concourse known to man.
4: Compared to Ajax, is, it's like... Being on another planet, planet Ajax, where you just think, I don't want to go back to Earth. Fucking hell, no way.
3: <laughs> and funnily, we must have housed the Ajax fans in that Ooh. stand. They, they, must have, oh. they must
4: have cried. They must have thought they were in some concentration camp or something. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh. And they lost. And they lost <laughs> It's embarrassing. No, but that, that upper. Uh, people pay good money for a season ticket or, or a match day.
5: Well, that's the top that's the top yeah because you know
4: i was near the halfway line so that the view's good the view's good very good view and very good leg room to
3: give well, there's it there's nothing tune. behind you walk through and you literally hit a wall don't you yeah
4: because the leg room in the Holt shit the leg room in the trinity shit I and mean, that's just not fit for purpose IX, so you know it was like being on a sun lounger it was fantastic
5: <laughs> well they called it the amsterdam arena for a reason
4: but yeah no so from that point of view you just think everything to like Put Villa rights is going to cost so much money so just giving uh, female supporters and making them feel you know even more welcome emergency tampons is it's a cheap way to actually you know score some points because all the other ways of revamping Aston Villa's uh, stadium require promotion really just for the cash anyway finally we get on to
3: uh, oh it's the end of the podcast goodbye <laughs> that is the end of the Jack Grealish podcast Tampon.
1: Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first.
2: ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started
0: picture the scene all of your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go partner this with your team playing champagne football perfect order McDelivery now on the mcdonald's app There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
4: Right, so let's get to the game uh, where Jack Grealish's Aston Villa beat Frank Lampard's Derby County. And after almost scoring uh, early doors, uh, to get that early goal, just set it all up and uh, away we went. It was bonkers. I mean, mm. I, I think Derby, as we've said before, are a soft touch. So it's, they're not somebody who can like, out-muscle us and dominate us in midfield. There's somebody that the emergence of Grealish coming back in the team was like, oh, well, actually, I think we can win this uh, mm. if everything kind of clicks in place. And it's almost like he just pressed a big on- button for the Villa midfield because it all sparked up Whelan played sensationally probably one of his best games I've seen from him
3: I'd agree with that
4: and we're talking about in the context of he was doing his normal breaking up play and you know getting in the tackles but also being a bit more progressive with his passing and you know hello he he is the man that uh, if this was the Oscars he would be getting best supporting actor for the uh, the corner stroke pass which they've been practicing in training and uh, apparently Grealish was making a pig's ass of it in training and it uh, (laughs) it came off well it doesn't uh,
3: matter to it's it's (laughs) it's show night that matters isn't it that you know I really enjoy I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna butt in here and there's there's two things I really enjoyed about that goal there's some there's some fantastic angles of the goal knocking around on on social media there's a great angle or two or three angles from from behind Whelan as he as he pings that ball across and that is a fantastic pinpoint ball Across,
4: It leaves his foot with pace, but then it kind of floats down it's like lost it up it, it, it's perfect. I was diagonally from the the, the upper dug, uh, just inside let's say halfway between the halfway line and the away fan, so I was kind of diagonally behind Grealish yeah. and then that far stick, yeah, so you just saw it dropping onto his on his right peg, and I just mm-hmm. shouted,
0: "Volley it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hang on! Are you taking I, credit for that? that yeah, was the instruction.
4: One hundred percent. It was like uh, Roy of the Rovers, where they'll have a you know the comic and they they have the the balls <laughs> coming out, and they'll have a frame of somebody shouting volley, and then the next pick is like that
3: scorcher into the top corner. And the second, the second thing I really, really enjoyed about the goal, and it's something I appreciated live, and I thought, God, I hope, I hope the TV or something picks this up, is that the, the sound of Grealish absolutely thumping the ball travelled. Yeah, tra- traveled. yeah, and yeah. It, it, It's something that it, just before the, you you, know, you heard the ball, or saw the ball, rather, hit the back of the net. You heard the noise, and there's some really fantastic, again, and it's picked up by footage in the uh, lower north, as it would be, of the sound of the football being absolutely leathered was just fantastic. I love that.
4: But in-game, my memory of that... and. We're all standing. I mean, half of us weren't celebrating because we're just stunned.
3: Yeah, yeah, I was stunned.
4: All these drop jaws, looking at looking at each other. Everybody's like looking up and down at each other. Like, did this just happen? And from that moment, I, I as I said on Twitter, when, in my memory, it, it was like thirty, forty yards. <laughs> <laughs> so when I, when I got back and I watched the highlights, I was, like, I was disappointed. Like, I was like, oh, it's only the edge <laughs> of the box. It's <laughs> yeah, a tapping. People are, you know, doing the obvious thing, comparing it to McGinn. This. I th- you'd probably give it, because we're talking about straight from a corner, hmm. and the McGinn one just come, I mean, it's headed out or deflected out.
3: The Skulls one is the comparison for me, i, I... I don't think... Well, McGinn's was compared to Skull's
4: as well. Yeah. And uh, I think McGinn's, artistically, his strike is, you know, it's superb. It, I yeah. think it's, it looks, aesthetically, it's better than Grealish's. But Grealish's was just like, Perfection. came out of absolutely no fucking wear. And it's a team goal, ultimately. You know, it's straight off the yeah. training ground. Yeah, it was planned. I mean, that's that's the uh, that's the funny the funny bit because it's... And, and I tell you what, you, you can't think of many times that happens with <laughs> <in> Villa. <laughs> you know, when I saw Smith's quotes about that basically confirming that it's planned. You suddenly have this moment where you go, "Oh my god, they they actually of uh, all this misery that's going on and uh, how turgid some of the play has been recently. Mm. They're they're actually practicing audaciousness like that. And you're thinking you know, in the, in the world of percentages, the uh, the volley straight from the corner routine doesn't normally uh, come up good. So I was I was wondering if maybe they say you know maybe they they'll say, "Well, we'll roll this one out if we're like two or three nil up yeah, and the yeah. game's won."
5: Yeah. There was just so many positives to take from the game. I and mean, I can't remember a game in a long time where a second half was quite so yeah. easy. I can't remember. We definitely haven't had a game since we were relegated where we were just so dominant. You know, we beat, obviously, Bristol 5-0, but that was a different kind of game. This one, we've just... Derby le- never looked like troubliness. and for a team who's only conceded, I think we've had two clean sheets at home all season.
3: Derby didn't have a sniff. Well, know. they didn't have a shot on target. I mean, I, I, sorry, I was
4: talking about the midfield uh, being switched mm. on by Grealish's presence. Conor Hurahan, who we've been, you know, saying should be playing further up, but we were saying that, you know, under he Bruce, and, and then he was put put yeah, back in should. this kind of quarterback role, which yeah. kind of yeah. worked initially. But this was a different Hurahan. I mean, he's been slated by some. Uh, this was how he should be, really. This is how he should be playing, but the Purahan playing ideally where he should be. Brings up the question, obviously, with McGinn coming back and obviously mm. Whelan playing very well. is, And actually, uh, Mom's patron, Kev O'Sullivan, sent this in, he, which he wanted discussed. It's uh, just wondering if you chaps think we should stick with the team that started so well against Derby, or if we try and find a spot for McGinn to start against Small Heath. Personally, although McGinn is always in my first 11 for me, I think we have to start the same team. Hmm. What do you think, Dan Rogers?
3: My view is that we, we we mustn't fall into the trap that Bruce sometimes fell into, where he, he he tried to keep a an eleven, and you actually have to look at who you're playing. So you know, Wheeling's going to require some rotation. Um, you know, Why?
4: Look, it's only, it's a whole week.
3: I know, but it, it, let's be honest, he's, he's one of the elder statesmen of the team. I'm not saying he should be swapped out, by the way,
4: but I think what the, are you
3: saying? Well, what I'm saying is that someone like McGinn has to, you know, we have to treat all of our players the same. And one of the biggest issues with Villa... What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> we're too sentimental. We're too sentimental sometimes. And McGinn's, McGinn's struggled over the last three months. I don't think he's been our worst player by, by any stretch, but I think his form has struggled for, for various reasons. Probably because he's been trying to do the job of three or four guys in our midfield. Yeah. Um, look, looking, at, looking at Small Heath, well, I wouldn't change the team for... for for the Blues unnecessarily, but would bringing McGinn back in be such a, I don't know, is it necessary or would he be more effective off the bench if things weren't going well?
4: Yeah, well, what I'm thinking is McGinn, we're talking St. Andrews, you get fired up there. McGinn's getting stuck in, getting yellow cards all the time. while Whelan put in such a performance that it was and it was pretty composed he looked like uh you obviously say he's the the elder statesman but he looked like his experience was actually being used for a change he Mm -hmm. knew where to be he knew where he was and he since he got a bit more progressive in his passing and he thought well hang on if you're that progressive in your passing you're not passing it back automatically all the time then there's a point to you and i think his experience a call ahead in that uh, environment
3: might as you say be worth starting with don't you think there's there's pros and cons to both and i i think it's actually a very difficult team selection for smith
4: yeah because there's there's an argument for actually dropping Horahan mm, just mm. to have that dynamoism of McGinn playing up with Grealish and Wheelan in there as well so you've toughened your midfield up mm, with mm. Whelan and and McGinn and uh, just use your Horahan as an impact you know off the bench if if we need something a bit extra up front and that I don't know potentially I, I could go with that but Horahan obviously uh, carries a serious threat Chris Bud what would who who would you select Chris <laughs>
5: Well, I mean, firstly, the other, the other thing is, of course, it's not—it's going to have to be a, a changed team because of one Tommy Elphick mm. being injured, which is, a, you know, potentially a big loss because I don't know who the obvious choice to play centre. Well, back I do. It's Courtney so. Hoos. See, strangely, my choice would have been for once against most people's thoughts. I'd play Jedinak at centre back against Blues just because of Djukovic's height,
4: because he's not
5: quick. And blues are going to we're going to come under the aerial bombardment and St Andrews. And oh, you might have, might have looked good... into
3: the crystal ball there, Mr. Bird. You've been eating too yeah. many villa dogs.
4: <laughs> I've got to admit, Mr. Bird, I, I totally forgot about Yedder because I was just presumed it would be Oos and Taylor. But and Taylor, it's suddenly you're looking yeah. at weakness because that back mm. four. I mean, Hoos is like good. Wilfred Baumer. In terms of his physique, he's like a, an ox down there. But he got forward really well against uh,
3: he, Derby. He looks better and better, doesn't he? He
5: had a fantastic yeah. game. He had a really good... I, I, I would openly admit to being one of the people who were very angry walking out of the DW stage after his debut, thinking, what on he earth did you mention him
4: for? After a, yeah, he didn't. That's the first time you <laughs> mentioned yeah. your anger. We, we didn't know you got angry. <sighs> Dreadful. What did you do? Um, how did you, how did you vent your I've anger? Every time I've seen him since,
5: <laughs> I chewed Mo's ear off all the way down the M sticks. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Razak. Um, but every time I've seen him since, I think he's getting better with every game. Yeah. He's the classic thing of a, a guy who just needed game time, but he looks a much more composed player yeah, on no, and without the ball yeah. than Taylor. I just think in the, in the spirit of keeping a balanced team, I would change mm-hmm. as little as possible, uh, including the midfield that's my choice on McGinn I think to have a player like that come off the bench be it on the hour or whenever because there's no guarantee a week on that Grealish is going to be a 90 minutes player again you know he's still you know he was blowing after sort of 55 60 minutes on Saturday yeah ultimately McGinn will feature at St Andrews he's you know he's going to he's going to get game time so I think what a what a player and what energy to bring off the bench I totally see the argument actually for for Pulling Hurrahan out, because I think Whelan, in that, knowing what St Andrews is like on Derby Day, having the wise old head of Whelan, who will just keep it simple. And I remember last season, Whelan had a really good game, didn't he, at St Andrews? He won't be phased mm. by it at all. Someone like McGinn, I don't think he'll be phased by it, but it might be the other end of the spectrum. Is Will he be really fired you know up having uh, had two weeks so off? Sort of and- thing,
3: this, is the, this is the quandary for going because We haven't won there since we've been relegated. Yeah. Is this is this a sign of our almost conservative way now that uh, as a collective that we are talking about dropping Hurahan who Has just
4: scored two goals. When you say uh conservative, you're talking about this collective of this podcast.
3: Yes, this this well, we're all talking quite um no, we're talking about the possibility of, of I don't know swapping out Hurahan after probably his best performance in, in months.
4: Yeah, I mean let's let's caveat this by saying I think we got nothing to lose now and we have to win. If we're going mm. to we're going to perf- we're not going to oh, mention yeah. the P word, but if we're going to pull off a mir- well let's let's call it an M word, a miracle, we're going to have to win games and yeah. we haven't we've just been drawing and drawing and drawing. Mm-hmm. So maybe well go uh, S- Smith's going to uh just fight fire with fire and just uh, go for it. Absolutely. I think
5: so. I think most Villa fans especially the next two games because I think you look at the way all of a sudden you start looking at the table and think if you go to St Andrews and win and then you go to Forest and win you know just go
4: for it i think so why why does one player change everything jack grealish i mean when you look at the stats one clue is i mean he had a lot of the ball and he had 95.1 pass completion which nobody got close to i think Elphick was the only other player in the 90s and you know he was uh, in 90 because a lot of the time he passes it sideways to ming's you know to play the out ball mm. so I think his, Courtney Horse called him the glue in the dressing room, but he's very much the glue on the pitch. Grealish, uh, obviously, I, I don't think we were a one-man team against Derby because uh, he wasn't that influential uh, in terms of you know he's not dribbling around six or seven players or whatever. He but he he does. As I say, switch the midfield on. Suddenly, Wheeler knows exactly where he's playing. Hurrahan knows exactly where he's playing, and suddenly, uh, to function as a team becomes so much more easier and defined.
5: It was all the things we've been we've been yeah we've been speaking about this for for months really, and it's the, the the words we've been using for ages were control and tempo. You know, he, all of a sudden, he you can dictate the way you want to play because when he gets the ball, the ball sticks yeah. to him you know, and and, he, and, he, and he's the option. And, and you know, I know um, Smith's used it and he was using it a lot in the early days. He said Villa can play through their lines, which they were a lot more against Derby. You know, their midfield were very easy yeah. to play against and they weren't a, a bullying type team, but you can only beat, you know, what's in front of you. But all of a sudden, you know, Al Ghazi and Nadoma, even uh, El Mohamedi had options and wide. The ball was going much quicker. Um, and I think it's the thing that Grealish takes a man or at least one man out of the game straight
4: away. Because most teams will go man for man on him. And all of a sudden he opens up It's quite funny that despite missing a third of the season, uh, entering this game against Derby, he was still the most fouled player in the championship.
3: That's remarkable,
4: isn't it? (laughs) Which is is remarkable. A uh, funny thing: uh, The Lower North were uh, singing uh, to uh, Wilson when he was like taking a corner, who obviously came on. I think he's been injured, hasn't he? The Liverpool uh, loney Harry Wilson, you know the young kid, seventeen year old, who's been yeah. scoring wonder free kicks for them. Uh, they were <coughs> Lower North were just shouting, "You're just a shit, Jack Grealish," at him <laughs> when he was when he was going to take corners. <laughs> Horan was getting up so he could link up with uh, Abraham as well. He was um, becoming that. Uh, second striker which was a role that albert adoma did uh, last season he would come off on off the left flank come in centrally and suddenly you know we had a, a second forward in there or you know sometimes he was the, the main forward i actually think adoma had he he looked dare i say it back to his old self of yeah he, the
5: previous seasons it's it's it speaks for itself when ashley <laughs> cole gets subbed off at half time because albert adoma and El Mahammedi have destroyed him for forty-five <laughs> minutes. I mean,
4: that's pretty much the moment where you think I'm probably going to have to retire. <laughs> they teamed up very well, though. He was they, 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 they teamed up very well. Though. You know, they were overlapping. They, they were. It was, they were in sync playing together.
5: Yeah, and you've given me a tap in there to talk about the the second goal, which all the guys we've mentioned, you know, it was fantastic play from Whelan, a brilliant ball from him to Hurrahan, a great ball from Hurrahan to Al Mahammedi, an even better ball for the uh, Abraham yeah. tapping. I mean, that is probably everything that. Everybody was hoping of a Dean Smith. That was a, a throwback Dulleside. to the Ron
4: Atkinson days. From defense to attack, it was flowing, superb. Yeah, flowing, it was flowing superb passing goal. football.
5: And actually we we took all of our goals Mm. Really well, you know, both the mm. Horahan finishes were good, especially the the second one. Abraham took his goal well. Obviously, the greenish one speaks for itself. And, the, I mean, you know, we could have had more. You know, I think we, we were probably just coasting in second gear in the second yeah. half. There was a
4: certain but- certain irony uh, to, after the Baggies game, Dean Smith was kind of making, let's say, you know, semi-pointed remarks to uh, Big Dave. Darren Moore saying, oh, you know, they just sat back after half-time. Well, well hello, they were 2-0 up. They they just wanted the three points and no silly business. But he said to his players, he said after the game uh, that he said, you know, I want a clean sheet. And that was the main thing he wanted uh, from that second half. So it's, I mean, saying that we could have scored easily. Uh, I mean, their keeper made a couple of good saves. Carson, uh, after being demolished in the first half, mm. you, you know, he made a couple of saves to keep the score down. But the, yeah, the, but there wasn't that kind of intensity. But then again, you know, this is football. This is what happens. If you 4 0 up at half time. Mm. It goes flat, but this, you know, this is why, where one of the adages in football is if you go 2-0 up, it's a dangerous score to have if it's too early because it just. That team that's two 0 up starts thinking about you know they've already won and they take the foot off the gas. I mean, it was it was realistically it was game over at three 0 wasn't it? Let alone four. I
5: mean, you could you know, there were the videos of the derby fans climbing yeah. over the turnstiles <laughs> to escape Villa Park half time. Very there. amusing.
4: But as <laughs> <laughs> so, we well, normally been. I dig a tunnel. I always bring a spade <laughs> to the game just in case. <laughs> well, we've always joked. I think at the half time it was the first time, uh, as as we've said, and the, the facts, the stats back this up. Uh, yeah. Villa do need to score three goals at Villa Park if they are going to at least get a point it's a fact so it's at 4-0 it was like break out the cigar time we're actually going to get three points today it well, was, someone turned uh, to a...
3: me actually at half time it, it, I mean, it couldn't have been more than a few seconds after green issues would strike it at the back of the net and said oh I hope this isn't like forest I mean, and immediately I was I was unnerved <laughs> <laughs> I've gone from complete zen
5: <laughs>
3: only at Villa Park
5: I thoroughly enjoyed the
4: second half. It
3: was a great
5: novelty
4: to sit there going,
5: Darby are dreadful.
4: I actually biked to the game, and it said on the forecast before the game, it's going to rain at three. So I thought, that's all right, get there. It was raining so, goals. Yeah, it didn't actually say goals. It was it made out it was going to be normal rain. So uh, obviously uh, it's a bit crap. Uh, but it said it's going to start to rain at five. So I spent most of the second half just looking at the clouds, going, oh, it might hold out. Hmm. I might get lucky here. It's like going and watching the cricket. The
3: covers to come out.
4: (laughs) Absolute transformation. Just quickly uh, to round off the uh, the Jack Grealish uh, show uh, stats. Mm -hmm. just in Aston Villa with Jack Grealish Aston Villa without Jack Grealish is is there such a thing Aston Villa without Jack Grealish I don't
3: don't know we hope not uh,
4: apparently Dean Smith's Aston Villa with Jack Grealish in the team and we're talking about 10 appearances have won 60% of them so that's obviously six wins without him they've only won twice now there's other factors obviously there's other injuries there's you know the new managerial bounce but maybe it is it is like a perfect marriage in terms of the way that Dean Smith wants to play and obviously the what Jack Grealish increasingly now he's uh, maturing and taking responsibility is bringing to the team. Mm. I mean, all these people are saying, you know, we're getting to the uh, conclusion, oh, this squad's shit, uh, well, Dean Smith needs his own players, this is crap. Grealish is like the key that kind of makes it work and makes these players work as well and just sits in that midfield and provides the glue that as I said makes everybody know exactly what their role is and you know attack it with relish
5: he just he runs the
4: game for us doesn't he he controls the tempo he controls the pattern he's Everything goes through. But unfortunately, the perfect marriage, I think, potentially comes to an end if Filler don't get promoted, which obviously seems to be a long shot. Uh, I mean, we'll discuss that as the uh, the picture becomes clearer. But obviously, he hasn't completed a full season, Grealish. So there's that doubt that may devalue and uh, make a, you know the larger clubs lose interest. Uh, I mean, but when you're knocking in volleys straight from corners, it kind of perks their interest up again.
5: And potentially a very high release clause. Yeah, but then you get into the
4: situation of the players. Obviously, he started to half think about it because that last move was close, was you know fairly close. He had his head turned, so we get to the realms of uh, Grealish wanting to put in transfer requests and. There's obviously a thinking that he's getting older now and he's given Villa three seasons in this shonky league and uh, you can't really hold him back. So it will get messy is what I'm saying. But talking about the P words, my philosophy is don't even talk to me about it unless we beat, until we beat the Blues and Forest. And then I think it's a viable conversation. I'd agree with that. I think if
5: you go there, and as I said earlier, you know, if you go to Blues and win, Forest and win, a couple of results go your way, you've still got, is it Middlesbrough, yeah. Bristol City, to come to Villa Park? And
4: suddenly it's viable, I think. And if you look at last season, Derby finished sixth, and they got seventy-five points to finish sixth. Mm. Now, if we, if that is the lit level to finish sixth this year, then we'd have to win nine out of our last eleven games, which uh, it's a tall order. I'm not going to rule it out, but it's a tall order, especially with Elfit getting injured. It suddenly makes it a bit more brittle. One, we're one more injury away from a potential uh, disaster in terms of being a team that can win every game.
3: So if we're, to, if we're to use a barometer then, if we're looking at, I mean, let's, let's take last season's table then. At this point, 35 games, 48 points. Two teams won 48 points this time last season. One was Norwich City. Yeah. The other was Ipswich Town. Yeah. So it'll go one of two ways, I suppose. It's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> we'll either no, bit <laughs> yeah. be storming the championship or using um, what, was the, what was the syndrome we came up with last week? Where the you, Monaco, Monaco syndrome. syndrome we'll appoint Paul Lambert from it, down following their relegation and the inevitable. I think I should
4: get t shirts made of the Monaco syndrome. syndrome. <laughs> Uh, Let's uh, put a bit more context on that. Uh, Derby getting 75 mm. points last season. I would said there were less, there were probably better teams last season than this season, yeah. but there was less of them. Yeah, yeah. This this is a bit more of a spread. I mean, we're in a situation where we're 11th and you know, some fans after yesterday, uh, sorry, some fans after the Derby game are thinking, oh, maybe we'll make the playoffs. There's actually three teams below us, we're in 11th, that if they win, mm. they'll go above mm. us. So that shows you the depth of what we've got to get through is you can't just focus on sixth place and go, Oh, we're only, uh, you know, X amount of points away. We're only uh, six points away. There's loads of other teams above us who are like, obviously closer to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but saying that uh, this time last season, the sixth place was Sheffield United on 58. Mm-hmm. So the sixth place now is Bristol City. They're on 54. They've got a game in hand. But I don't know if Bristol City is a guaranteed win. I mean, they're playing Leeds uh, pretty soon. Yeah, they play Ipswich next. Though, don't they? Yeah. So even if they win it, it's still less than, uh, than Sheffield United were on mm-hmm. last time. Uh, the team that dropped out was obviously Sheffield United because Villa were... Uh, uh, they're on 63 points last season at this time. Mm. Fulham, then your Derby managed to hang on. And the team that got in there was Middlesbrough, who were on 55. But I think if you're looking for a hope, the team that we're going to have to replicate, but actually do one step better, is Millwall. Millwall. With well, one point more than what we've got now. And they're, they're the team like Fulham came out of nowhere. I mean, Fulham, Millwall's charge was just a little bit too late and then they faded just in the last hurdle. But if they had carried on their last few games as they had previously, they would have made it. Mm. They'd have got that sixth spot. So the Millwall example, just improve on what Millwall did last Millwall's season and you might make really. it. <laughs> Millwall syndrome.
5: <laughs> I mean, it shows, I've, I'm just looking at the fixtures now and it's, as we said about the next two, it's huge because you You're, you're taking going two teams the, out um, that are above you as mm-hmm. well. Exactly, and then you've obviously got Middlesbrough, huge which is a, potentially becomes a huge game. Then then, then you go into your international yeah. break, where there's talk of Twanzaby mm. being back, Chester, but that's when you can do your real yeah, fine-tuning and you have to get it right, because then you look at the end of March through April, Blackburn it's at home, up, Wednesday away, Rotherham away, and Bristol they... at home, potentially,
3: that's,
5: <laughs> and then Bolton, Millwall. <laughs> then you've got Leeds and Norwich,
4: but potentially they could be... They could have pulled away by then, unless Sheffield United make a real fight of it. I think the Baggies. I mean, I was I, was, I watched the Baggies Leeds game, truthful. and I said if if the Baggies really really want to uh, impose themselves on an automatic, they've got to beat Leeds, mm-hmm. and you know they weren't even close. Let's admit it, yeah, a
3: million miles away. So
4: so I'm thinking Sheffield United are the only ones who are contending there. So out of those three, you. If you're talking purely from a Villa selfish point of view, you'd want Norwich and Leeds to uh, romp away and enter the final couple of games Absolutely. already up. Absolutely. And
5: I look at I look at Middlesbrough and I think they're very, they've sort of just quietly gone about their business, but they haven't really mm. wound anyone. they nah. just slowly well,
3: Middlesbrough don't chipping score away any at goals it. Either. It's but Middlesbrough,
4: Middlesbrough have got a seven-point cushion. They're consistent enough, I think, to make it. So I think it's only the sixth place that's really up for grabs, realistically, from a Villa point of view. If all there's
3: got to be a target, if there is one,
4: if Villa win, you know, a hell of a lot of games and the stars align, then I think sixth is the only one up for grabs. But anyway, as I said, let's let's not even Do go we, there. As we've discussed, unless we um, beat those motherfuckers, I'll end on my
5: final uh, thing. We previously discussed this in a multiple podcast. Would we still, we're not going to use the P word, but if in the event that Villa got in the top six, would we do it? I still think we would. Yeah, I
4: think we would, yeah.
5: Because to have gotten the top six, we would be the team with momentum. And we would
4: we? more than likely be playing Sheffield United home and away. And they thumped us over two legs. Uh, well, actually, we made a comeback at the end, but uh, couldn't claw it back. That, that would be the lightly game. I mean, we're all in hypothetical land here. Yeah. Hypothetical dreamland. You're right. We are playing for sixth place, yeah. realistically, aren't we? we? You're not playing for fourth or th- you know, third, fourth or fifth.
5: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're yet to know what the crack's going to be
4: with the Birmingham
5: points deduction. Yeah, or not but if well. we beat
4: them, there's, I think that's irrelevant in terms of our our, our future. Yeah, and then, of course, the, it makes the game after it. But if the Blues Friday, beat us, bigger. that's game, set and match, because that'll put them in a strong position. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. We're, we're not going to recover from that. The shame would, would kill uh, us, if nothing else. Right, we'll finish on that. We'll uh, run some uh, Mom's Patron questions in Mom's Patron qu- podcast. There's some good ones uh, there. So please do follow and subscribe. Uh, also, pick up uh, My Old Man Said podcast t-shirt as well while you're at it if you want to really support the show. And join the f- Facebook group, The Mad Few, and become a patron. And until next time, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye.
0: My Old Man Said
4: Were obviously just uh, swept up in the Grealish hurricane of this week uh, that the club has perpetuated. But to give him his due, Grealish, or should I say, as he's now known, Captain Grealish,
3: Captain Jack, Captain Jack. Wait, wait is that? That's an. Are you the anti-Semite to the right with a comment like that? Giving <laughs> Grealish his due. You can cut that out. <laughs> I will. Let's, let's,
5: let's.
4: So just to go back to that point about Luna, I mean, the the basic equation, Aston Villa equation is, if you manage Aston Villa, your career's over afterwards. But if you're a <laughs> if you're a crap player, or or the Villa fans call you crap, you could potentially go into good, better things. You know, Joe Bennett, Luna, Westwood, West, West, yeah, Tonef. We don't know where Tonf is. We'll just say his name, though, just for kicks. I
0: mean, that?
3: Alexa's talking to me.
4: Hang <laughs> <on>. <laughs> Tonef? The fucking... I said Tonef, and Alexa
3: does not compute.
5: <laughs> He's just loaded up his Alexander Tonef playlist
4: on Spotify. Fucking Tonef on. is his Alexa trigger word.
3: Let me just pause and shut Alexa up for one second.
4: Tonef. That's brilliant.